0: Well, good morning. God bless you. It's podcast day. Actually, we're a day late, but not a dollar short. Uh, amen. Well, life is good. God is good and faithful all the time. Amen. Uh, things. I got a little busy yesterday, and I I couldn't get to this podcast. But I, I have something in my heart for you today. Uh, get your Bible out. Get your pen, paper out, and get ready. Then I'm going to help you today concerning the subject of faith. Amen. Well, let me pray for you first. Lord, thank you now that we're here together, thank you for the anointing. Uh, to hear, to understand, to perceive, to teach uh, your word, to impart your word. In Jesus' mighty name, I come against now any kind of uh, mental attack, any kind of physical attack, physical attacks in our body. I speak healing health, divine health. In Jesus' mighty name, we receive the work that you did on the cross of Calvary in our bodies. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, get your Bible. Let's go into Matthew chapter 8. Just hold there for a second and I want to talk about for a few minutes uh, the the subject of faith and I don't understand why it's so hard to understand faith or uh, to receive the reality of faith now let's just look at faith for a second in in, in its natural uh, uh, ability or in its natural realm when we say we have faith for something forget about the Bible for a moment Uh, like a chair. When you sit in a chair, you know, I I don't know, maybe you do. I don't. I just plop down in the chair. But uh, if you're faithless concerning what that chair can do, the ability of that chair, you might get on your hands and knees and begin to study each leg, each bolt or however the legs are fastened to the chair. Uh, Maybe you shake it back and forth, you know, to make sure that uh, it's not, you know, compromised and it's going to hold your weight. But the average person doesn't think that way through life and through years. Uh, from day one of our understanding, we sit in chairs because everybody sits in chairs and we've been taught that's what you do. So we've put our faith or our trust in that chair's ability to do what it was created to do. A chair was made, created to hold you so that you can sit down, relax, eat, watch TV, whatever it is you want to do at that time. Uh, Well, that took time, really not, but let's just say that took time to create that trust system. And we can go on and on and on. You get in a car, uh, I don't think too many people put the key in the ignition or get ready to push the button. Most cars today are push button and say, man, I I don't know if this is going to work. I really hope now... If you have an older car that's not real faithful, you may think that way. Uh, But the average person gets in their car, pushes the button, doesn't think anything about it. They expect the car to start and then they drive off. That's having faith in something. And we can go uh, uh, through example after example after example uh, concerning natural faith. But then when we go into spiritual faith or faith in God or faith in God's word, uh for some reason we we it's hard for the average person to apply the same disciplines concerning god now if we're we're going to put faith in god's word uh first we're going to have to find out what god's word says and then we're going to have to settle within ourselves just like we do with the chair just like we do with the car Uh, Like a door, you put, you turn the door, you expect the door to open. You know, that's the same faith you put in uh, God's word, that God, you got to decide for yourself that God's word is true, that God is the author of his word, and what God says will come to pass. Now, the problem with a lot of people, I think, is, is they think when they speak God's word, they're speaking on their own authority, And that's not true. Let me set this up for you. God is the supreme creator of all things. He is the supreme authority over everything, including Satan and including Satan's demons. Uh, He has a plan for Satan, and he has a plan for Satan's demons. And that plan's fixing to play out, and Satan and his demons are gonna go into the uh, fiery pit of hell that God's created for them. And that's going to be under God's authority. So uh, God is the king, the, the supreme authority over all things. Uh, he is the head, especially over the church, but over all creation, obviously. And let's just look at a, a king and a kingdom, per se. If a king or the, the king over a kingdom uh, has supreme power and authority, and he exercises his power and authority with words decrees declarations well god has done the same thing he's put together the system of our kingdom the kingdom of god and then he's got he has uh, sent that to us by way of words and we have compiled within the scriptures decrees parameters guidelines of how the kingdom works and what god has deemed to be authoritative or, or authoritative words or, words, or, or of a, words of authority. Now, when we speak the words of God or the word of God, we don't speak it of, in and of our own self or our own power and our own authority. Even though Jesus has given us power and authority, uh, we're reciting or we're repeating or decreeing what the king has already said or what he's already given birth to. Now, let's just go look at this in the centurion's faith concerning uh, uh, authority, concerning power, concerning the power of words, how we operate and trust in God's word to be a supreme authority over our lives. So in the eighth chapter of Matthew, starting in the fifth verse, it said, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. Now, a centurion would be a soldier and that would lead us to believe a, a, a man under authority. Now, a centurion would be a captain um, of at least 100 men, alright? So let's say he was a, a, an important person. He had men under him. He was a man man under authority, like the Bible's going to show us here in a minute. Uh, but he was a man over authority as well, or he had authority over men. Uh, so he came to Capernaum, and unto him a centurion uh, beseeching him, and saying, "Lord, my servant lieth home uh, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented." And Jesus said unto him, "I will come and heal him." And the centurion answered, "Now there's faith there. I will come heal him. Uh, you know, there's there's that's a a way to be healed. There's nothing wrong with being healed by someone being present, someone laying hands on." Uh, someone anointing with oil, but there's a higher level of authority, which we'll see here in a second, a higher level of faith. In the eighth verse, it says, the centurion answered, said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant should be made healed, or be made whole, or or be healed. Now, let's look at the the faith of the centurion, and Jesus even recognizes that faith, so he's he's never seen such faith. In anywhere in that region or anywhere else. So what that centurion was saying was I understand a kingdom and how a kingdom operates under a king and I understand the authority of a king and I understand the power of a king's decree. Now, I've said this through the years, you've heard me say this, but you can't separate a person from their word. Where God's word is, there he is. Now, he's not there uh, in person, but he's attached to his word, and he, he, there's authority in his word because he's attached to it. Now, let's look at a scripture here. Let's just pause here for a second, and I want to look at Isaiah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's look at Jeremiah 1.12. Uh and I'm going to look out of the English Standard Version. It says, Then the Lord said unto me, You have uh, seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Uh, we can see in, in the Berean Study Bible, I'm watching over my word to accomplish it. King James, I will hasten my word to to perform it. And these different translations really are saying the same thing. But what I'm trying to convey to you, here, amplified, you have said, well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. All right, now hold that thought, and let's go right to Isaiah fifty-five eleven. put these two together. King James, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it pretty powerful. Can you say amen there? Uh, We have other uh, translations says it'll accomplish what I send it to accomplish. It'll prosper uh, where I send it. It it will yield uh, the thing where I sent it to yield. It'll yield that fruit and on and on it goes. Well, the point here is, is God watches over his word when we repeat his word. Now, I want to throw this in there with conviction because there's people that will try to kind of try faith a little bit and kind of get an idea of faith a little bit. Then back in the day there was, I thought, kind of even though I, I said it and it was cliche-ish and kind of cool but it really didn't make too much Bible sense. And the saying was uh, fake it till you make it. And uh, then a lot of us started saying faith it till you make it. And both are incorrect. Uh, the The idea there was was you don't believe, but just say uh, enough until the time comes where you do believe. Well, I think that breeds doubt, and I think that's a problem with a lot of the body of Christ today, is they don't take time to meditate the scripture to where it gets on the inside of you, or you, it becomes an absolute, meaning uh, you believe it to be true, and you've kicked out everything that opposes it, and now now, now that word that you've meditated becomes your reality. And until you do that, you'll confess, 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 and you'll not see the fruit of your confession because you haven't taken time to, be, to believe or cultivate it to be truth. Now, therefore, it doesn't manifest. Then you get frustrated. So uh, I don't want you to fake anything. I want you to take the proper uh, steps, biblical steps, and I want you to take a subject matter. Like, let's just say today you want, you want to uh, build your faith in the area of health and healing. Well, go get healing scriptures. If you don't know where they are, contact the office here. We'll get them to you. There's several of them. I mean, there's just, I don't there, There's very clearly there's 30, 40, 50 that are just clear. And then there's accounts of uh, healing that go into the hundreds and on it goes. So, uh, but you take those scriptures and you'd begin to meditate those scriptures. You would read them, uh, you know, in, in reading, uh, we begin to to learn, uh we begin to grow our understanding, uh so on and so forth. But we're also in, in reading, we're meditating or creating pictures. So take time, meditate. The word meditate in its simplest form would be think about. Uh so as you you think about or talk out or, or talk this thing out, talk this idea out. Uh that means you're you're having a conversation, you're mulling it over in your mouth. Um uh, you're you're, you're uh, muttering uh, this word, this sentence, this idea. And what you're doing is you're creating an image on the inside of truth. So uh, I- until you take time to meditate and g- and gain revelation concerning healing. Now, when you start this process, the Holy Spirit's gonna show up because the Bible says that he has come to lead and guide you into all truths. So he's gonna come and speak to your spirit and he's going to help you understand this thing or, or uh, help impart this unto you. Well, once you take the time to do so and you understand that Jesus Christ came to this earth uh, to, to create healing for those who would believe, now he created it by, the Bible says, 2 Peter 2.24, that he took stripes on his back so that ye were healed. Uh, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He went to the cross. He carried our sickness, our sorrows, bore our disease, and by his stripes we are healed. Old Testament, um, and on and on it goes. So when you meditate that and you think, okay, heal, you got to get to the place that healing belongs to me and I deserve healing. You got to settle that. Until you do, you'll dance around the idea of well, I may or may not get healed because I'm a sinner or I have a sinful life or I really don't deserve it or uh, God reserves the right to heal who he wants to heal or God may be trying to teach me something. So you've not meditated the principles concerning health uh, and healing biblically because once you do, you'll find out, that through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and when you receive him you have you've gained access he is the doorway to God and the blessing and promises of God and once you go through that doorway even though you still may be uh, you know a sin from time to time or you're not a perfect person because none of us will be ever obtain that that status of be, becoming perfect till we get a glorified body that God has afforded to us two words, grace and mercy. Now, when you sin, you can call on mercy. God have mercy on me. And God shows up with his grace and he still sees you through the operation of the cross of Calvary. Meaning, in repentance, God accepts it and sees you clean or sees you you still a, a... Uh, an able recipient or a worthy recipient of his blessing and his promise. Come on, I'm preaching pretty good. You ought to say amen. So let's get this idea now. In in meditating the scripture, you kick out uh, every ungodly idea. You you sift out. That's that process. And that's why a lot of people uh, don't see the return of faith is because they don't take time to, to operate within this full mechanism or equation of faith and, and sift out what you presently believe or what you presently obtain concerning the ideas of, of supernatural health or healing. Well, the word of God is true, and it will, if you just give it time, it'll op- oppose the false or, or the, the uh, ungodly thing. Uh, but you got to sift that thing out. You got to understand if you got years of a doctrine that says God reserves the right to heal who he wants to heal, that's a false doctrine. But if you have obtained that through years, that you know, of thinking on that, of hearing that, of saying that, uh, now you have to give the word of God time to begin to sift that thing out or rend- uh, render that thing, you know, incorrect or Uh, an an imposter or opposite of the truth and that only happens by meditating the word of God come on now are you still with me Uh, who's who's out there I don't hear anybody today Um, uh, amen let me show you this other scripture for a second Uh, in um, oh where are we going thank you Lord give me a second I got the old uh, phone up here Um, Hebrews 4 12. For the word of God, and this is out of a a different translation. Uh, I think it's ESV. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. All right, we can say this. The word of God is alive and active, uh, sharper than any other word that would try to oppose it. Uh, Sharper or, or. "...has greater stature and ability than any other word out there. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart." We also know in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." Can someone say amen to this? So when we take the time to properly meditate or that word, we could say this. If we take the time to receive and adopt that word to be our new truth, now we can declare it or, or we can decree it uh, with, uh, under authority just like the centurion's talking about. Uh, He spoke with a man of conviction, meaning uh, he had decided within himself that this was the system that he was going to submit himself under, and this was the system he was going to operate within. That was his choice. Well, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians still between two opinions concerning what system they're going to submit themselves to. And I even see this, I see a lot of Christians trying to create, it's incorrect and it's ungodly and it won't work, but a hybrid system where they kind of bring a little kingdom of God into a little uh, flesh and try to kind of create this, you know, seen thing with an unseen thing and make it palatable or make it, you know, easier, make it more understandable or, you know, uh, come on now, are you here say amen? But that's not the word of God. Uh, We've got to sell out to, we've got to get to the place of where we're we're not second guessing or we're not kind of uh, hoping in the sense of like a wish. But we have taken the time to create a system, the system of God and God's word, and we stand on that system as a truth or divine truth or our truth. And when we decree it or declare it, we decree it and declare it with great conviction or uh, you know, with an understanding or a, a faith, just like we do in a chair, that this thing's going to hold. Uh, that I've taken the time, I understand what God's Word was created to do, I understand the principles of God's Word, the parameters of God's Word, the power, the authority of God's Word. So just like I sit on a chair without second-guessing, I'm going to learn how to speak God's Word and create the image of God's Word on the inside of me to where I can speak it with authority, uh, and that speaking with authority is a decree or a declaration of something. So I'm going to decree and declare with extreme, you know, divine, rather, authority, and I am going to operate in great expectation that just like the chair holds me, so these words will come to pass because that's the intent of God's word. Come on, can someone say amen? Let's finish this scripture. Go to verse nine. Uh, It says, for I'm a man under authority. Wow. Here we go. Authority. Uh, Authority is a wonderful thing Authority uh, A lot of people are, are are afraid of authority But You're not really afraid of authority You're afraid of people who misuse authority Because people who misuse authority And try to exalt themselves They control and manipulate those underneath them Or they belittle and put down now, those underneath them, in order to exalt themselves up. They're probably extremely insecure. But true authority is submitting to someone who has your best interest at hand. It's submitting to someone or, or to an authority or to a system or or the, a kingdom, <coughs> excuse me, uh, to, to in which the king <coughs> has your best interest at hand. Uh, It's called a commonwealth. And uh, the king's not trying to exalt himself because he's already exalted. He's the king. But now he is trying to offer to every citizen of that kingdom uh, uh, everything that he has because he knows that his person, who he is, is reflected within the citizens of that kingdom. So if the citizens of that kingdom are broken down, You know, foreigners come along and see the citizens, and within the citizens, they say that's not a good king because he's not taking care of his kingdom or the citizens of his kingdom. And God calls the kingdom of heaven, even though you're here on earth, you're still a part of the kingdom of heaven, a common wealth where wealth is common in his kingdom, not only money wealth. But his citizens are taken care of. All of them uh, should be equally or, or there's equality to every citizen because that's the goodness of our king. But within authority, is not only provision or protection, but there's always also provision. Submission is a great thing. Maybe next week I'll, I'll talk to you um, uh, about this, but I don't know if you remember Shem, Hem, and Japheth. Now, uh, these were sons of of Noah, and you know Noah built the ark, and uh, I don't know why, but at some point in time, Noah was uh, drinking wine, and his wine had alcohol in it. Now, I don't say that. That doesn't mean that you can drink wine with alcohol because Noah did. Remember, we're not following Noah. We're following uh, Jesus. Come on, say amen. Uh, Noah's not God. He's not the son of God. Uh, You know, he was an imperfect man. Our benchmark is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So anyhow, the Bible says, I I believe this is off of memory, but uh, uh, Shem, Hem, and Japheth. Uh, him walked in and his father was naked and looked upon his father uh, naked and that was considered to be disrespectful or dishonorable and he went out and started making fun of his father and talking to his brothers well uh, Shem and Japheth took a blanket put it on their shoulders and walked in In reverse or or walked in backwards, not in reverse, not a vehicle, but anyhow, uh, walked in backwards because they didn't want to lose respect or honor for their their father. And they covered their father uh, as they were turned opposite from him uh, with a blanket or, or something that would cover him and tucked him in. Well, apparently he was coherent to what happened. He knew the other son had come in. Uh, even though he was you know, out, he was still in, I guess, uh, and then he saw the respect the honor of two sons. Well, when he came out he cur- uh, the next day, when he came back to, he cursed uh, uh, him in the land that he was over because there was dishonor, there was disrespect, no submission. Uh, come on, are you here? There's power. I'm trying to help you today. There's power to submission. There's power to authority. Yes, uh, some people uh you know they pervert power they pervert authority they you know they they control and manipulate but that 's not biblical that 's not the biblical uh term and meaning of it it's, it's a very beautiful uh term and it 's a a very beautiful operation in submission honor authority and then we see the other two sons because they were sons of honor uh they were blessed so back to verse nine here and, and even into ten. He said in nine, uh, I'm a man under authority, Uh, actually nine here. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say, this man go, he go, another come, and he come, and this servant do, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily, verily, uh, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So it's very simple here that we can, and I'm not reducing it like it was too big, uh, to stomach in the first place, but I'm just amplifying or breaking it down for you to understand that this soldier took time or was trained to understand how authority works. Like if you're in the armed forces, I, I might go a few minutes long today. If you're in the armed forces or, or in a, 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 a large corporation, uh, chances are you'll never meet. With the CEO of that company, you might see him been passing and give him a little wave. But he is the well. There's more than the CEO, but there's a, a group of uh, board members or, or leaders, so on and so forth. And and then there's a singular uh, person that is over everything. <clears throat> but chances are you don't meet with them. But they create uh, the parameters of that business, and they desire. Uh, how that business functions and what operation that business uses and what they desire, what they decide in their boardroom trickles down through leadership and gets to you. Well, when it gets to you, it hasn't lost its power and its ability. It it has the same authority that it did when they, uh, uh, spoke it or deemed it in the boardroom, but it's just conveyed to you by a different channel. Come on now, say amen. Like, like a uh, you know, the president of the United States, presently I've del- used that term loosely, but uh, the president is the chief commander, should be the chief commander. Now, uh, you're, if you're in the military, you may get a photo op or go to the White House or something, but you're not going to sit down and discuss uh, 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 strategies, uh, war strategies with the chief commander in charge. But who will convey it to a general and then a general convey it uh, and down the chain it goes of command till it gets to the foot soldier. But when it gets to the foot soldier, and then this is what the centurion did. He understood that it came from the general or the commander, the chief commander. So he understood the authority of that order. And because he was trained to operate within order and and within authority that he understood that the word that was spoken at the top was still at the word when it got to him, and the authority it was spoken in at the top still has the same authority when it got into his hands or his ears. And that's what he was saying to Jesus. And Jesus said, wow, someone got it. That's how faith works. So when we get God's word, even though it might have been spoken a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, and on and on it goes, it doesn't change the fact that when we a- a- adopt that word, uh, that function, that authority to be uh, a truth and high authority, we can still address it or operate within it as if it was the day that God spoke it initially. Can someone say amen? Amen. Well, glory to God. Uh, I hope today helped you. We're going to continue on this subject, uh, you know, overcoming. Uh, the world with faith, you know, victory yields, or we're yielded victory by way of faith, the Bible tells us. But co- combating Satan, combating the attacks, the demonic attacks that Satan has waged against the believer in these last days. God bless you. Uh, once again, dot com, Way You know, drop us a note, letter, share this with somebody. Uh, know that we love you dearly. Uh, God bless you. Until next time.